I think I need you to put on the sound table that little, like, you know, when something stops or whatever, like, something to just really get everybody's attention, you know what I mean? But I, I guess I need to get started today. Let's, yeah, let's get her done. <laughs> so, um, it's been a long week, so just pray that I put this together like really, really fast. So I'm just praying that I don't stumble over all my words and everything uh, this week. Uh, a lot of you guys know I'm in heat and air, and it got cold. And even just the mention of coldness in the forecast, that's, that's a HVAC term, coldness in the forecast, um, people get freaked out and they start calling you for no reason. Like all of a sudden they're never hearing noises. All of a sudden they're like listening to every little noise that their HVAC does. So it's been a real busy week. But I am so glad to be with you guys uh, today to worship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are still in Exodus. And dare do I say it, this might be the second to last sermon in Exodus for this series. Uh, to recap, the Israelites were led out of Egypt miraculously by God, and they are currently in the desert uh, close to Mount Sinai. They were given the law through God, through Moses. This occurred in several meetings with God and Moses. It wasn't just like one thing. Um, and often that involved Moses climbing up a mountain to spend time with God, which is crazy to think at 40 years old, uh, climbing a mountain like that. But today, I want to spend time talking about the law that was given to Israel. So, before let's get, we get started, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for everything that you teach us, old and new. I just pray that you would speak through your word, um, using your spirit, because um, without your spirit, we can become powerless if we just... This is just head knowledge. So I just pray that you speak to our hearts with your spirit and help use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I'm going to start out with Isaiah 55, 11. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return too empty, to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You may be seated. I know that was quick. I think this is one of those verses that we should keep in mind as we learn about God's law. As we learn about how he tells us different things during different time periods to fulfill different purposes. So in the Old Testament, these laws could be divided into three groups. There's the moral law the civil law, and the ceremonial portions of the law. The Israelites agreed to obey all of these laws. And this is where we get what's called the Old Testament. Testament just means covenant or agreement. Often when someone quotes the Bible, Bible verses, there are many people who will not listen to it if they just hear that it's in the Old Testament. But to understand the new covenant, I think it's important to understand the old covenant. Someone might ask themselves, if we had to make a new covenant, was the old covenant a bad covenant? Well, to answer that, we have to ask ourselves, was the law that the Israelites agreed to a bad law that was given by God? So I think 
that the law is good, and there's a few reasons I think that. So, number one, if it wasn't for the law, we would not know what sin was. As Paul says in Romans 7, 7, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was if it had not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. So we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to go too deep into that. Number two, the law was an intimate gift between God and his people. Even parts of it were inscribed by the finger of God. And we see this in Exodus 31, 18. When the Lord finished speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him two tablets of the covenant law, the tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. I mean, I don't know if you guys can imagine how cool that is to have something that God's finger touched. I know some people would pay millions of dollars for a famous autographed piece of memorabilia. But how much more would it be worth to have the Ten Commandments in your hand? Would you pay as much as for a car for the... Yeah, there you go. To have it in your hand. So, would you pay more than a car for that? If, if somebody tried to took, take that away from you, how far would you go to get it back? I guess would be a good question. Deuteronomy 4, 7 also says this. What other nations is so great as to have their gods near them in the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws that I am setting before you today? The law was a special gift just for God's people. It was exclusively given to the Israelites. Because God loved them in a way that he didn't love the people at that time. That brings me to the next reason, number three. Because this law was given in a covenant of love. Moses talks about this in Deuteronomy 7, 7 through 9. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more num numerous than all the other people. For you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because of the Lord loved you and kept an oath he swore to your ancestors that he brought you out of a, with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the land of slavery, from the power of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore the Lord your God is God. He is faithful or is the faithful God. Keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations to those who love him and keep his commandments. Isn't that amazing that God doesn't forget the people he loves and that love him? The other day, I forgot it was my sister-in-law's birthday, and I had to apologize at the same time as wishing her happy birthday. But God isn't like that. He is faithful, and he remembers forever. Because his love for his people is so strong. Number five, God's law is perfect. And David talks about this in Psalms 19, 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. 
David wrote this under the old covenant. God doesn't make mistakes. The new covenant didn't come because, oops, God didn't realize or take account for the people's disobedience. The law made many people wise. The Bible even teaches us that it was able to make some people even blameless, as it says in Luke 1, 5, and 6. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the statutes of the Lord. I know we're taught it is impossible, but also listen to what Moses says in Deuteronomy 30, 10 through 14. When you obey the voice of the Lord, your God, to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment that I commanded you today, this is when he was giving the law the second time to the people of Israel, it is not too hard for you. Neither is it far off, it is not in heaven, that you should say, who will ascend to you to heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Neither is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near to you and in your heart so that you can do it. No, I don't say this so we can all keep the old law. I just want us to remember that in the Old Covenant that God didn't make mistakes. So then the question is, why do we have the New Covenant? Well, Jeremiah tells us what went wrong with the covenant. This is found in Jeremiah 31, 31 and 32. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them, by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. The problem was the people would not keep the covenant. As a whole, they would not keep it. As we read earlier, there were some individuals that did keep it, but as a nation, they did not keep it. So under the new covenant, are we supposed to keep the law? It's a yes and no. It's a yes and no. Are we sacrificing animals? No. Well, I hope you guys aren't. But are we keeping the feast and having an earthly tabernacle with an earthly high priest? No. But listen to what Jesus says in Luke 16, 16, and 17. The law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached. And everyone is forcing their way into it. It is easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of the pen to drop out of the law. Not even a stroke of the pen removed. Okay, then how do we carry out the law? Well, Jesus gives us more detail in Matthew 5, 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or, that the, prof- or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. So how is Jesus fulfilling the law? Well, remember Deuteronomy 18, 18 and 19 says, I will raise up, and this is Moses speaking, I will raise up 
Well, God's speaking to Moses. Let me clarify that. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, so God talking to Moses, a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to the words that my prophet speaks in my name. This verse is Jesus fulfilling the law and not destroying it. Jesus is the prophet like Moses. Like Moses, Jesus mediates between people and God. Both Moses and Jesus were judges. Both fasted 40 days and nights in the desert. Both proclaimed God's teachings and decrees to the people. Ironically, when Jesus proclaimed this, he did when he was on the Sermon on the Mount, he kind of proclaimed kind of like Moses or like God did. But unlike the mountain of Sinai, there was no fire or lightning coming from there, just as God promised. He proclaimed from the mountain, from boats, the temple, houses, and other places, Jesus gave a new law. In Galatians, Paul calls it the law of Christ. In Romans, Paul calls it the law of the Spirit. And we find this in Romans 8, 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but live according to the Spirit. Paul says we fulfill the law by walking in the Spirit. That if we continue in this faith journey or walk as described in Romans 8, that we have no condemnation. This new law of Christ comes with power, which Paul sometimes calls grace, to overcome those sinful desires. James calls Jesus' teachings the law of freedom, which is found in James 1, 21, 21 through 25. Therefore, put away all filthiness, rampart wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror and goes away at once and forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in all he's doing. So this time of year is a time where people get gym memberships and buy treadmills. In fact, uh, we just, I, I think like two months ago, I just put uh, a treadmill together and started using it. But the funny thing is, is we bought that like two years ago. That treadmill was doing me no good for about two years. Um, I mean, it was in the box, so I mean, I couldn't even hang clothes on it. It was just doing me absolutely no good. But the law of Jesus doesn't give us freedom if we don't use it. It's not much of a, bless, 
a blessing if we don't persevere. Like the gym membership that we use three times a year. If we believe in Jesus, we should write all the laws of Jesus in our heart. Just like it says in Jeremiah 31 and 33. This is a covenant I will make with the people of Israel at that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. The verse is in context with the new covenant. The first thing to understand this covenant was it was for Israel. I need a drink. How did Israel get the laws written into their hearts and minds? Well, Jesus came from heaven to put those laws in their hearts and minds. But thanks be to God, because we also found freedom, because he allowed Gentiles to be grafted into that covenant. We can uh, see God still does expect us to keep the moral side of the law, even though it's still not in effect. And how do we know it's not still in effect, the moral law? Well, for instance, when a pastor gets caught having an affair, we don't stone them to death, no matter how bad his wife begs us to. We don't keep the civil law because we have a different government than Moses did in Sinai. No matter how much we said we're in one nation under God, we aren't because the closest thing to that was the Israelites. Why? Well, because their moral law was intertwined with their civil law. America has never made it against the law to lie or commit adultery. Even though we don't live in a nation that's under God or under his laws, we still have God's law that supersedes man's law. So even though our government isn't a nation under God, we can still be a nation under God. So do we keep the ceremonial laws? No. Now we have a different high priest, as it says in Hebrews 5, 6 through 10. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. During the days of Jesus, life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son though he was, he learned through obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. So it kind of helps to have the backstory of Melchizedek to understand this. Uh, But for time's sake, I'm not going to go back to Genesis and read the whole story of Melchizedek. Uh, But I do recommend uh, you go to Hebrew and search all the verses on that and go to Genesis and read about it. But there are a few points that the writer of Hebrews is trying to make. Uh, For one, Jesus was not a Levite, just like Melchizedek. Another thing, Melchizedek didn't have an earthly genealogy. He didn't have a beginning or end. And also, Jesus doesn't have an ending or begin. He always was. He became a, when Jesus became a high priest of the law, it changes the law, as it says in Hebrews 7, 12. 
For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. With Jesus as a high priest, we have a better covenant, as it says in Hebrews 7, 22 through 27. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once he sacrificed for their sins for all when he offered himself. So as we see the old law changes through the new priesthood. God gave us a better covenant. We have a better priest, a perfect priest, and no longer need animal sacrifices. So in closing, we no longer keep the old covenant, but we do keep the law of Jesus. Because if we don't, it says we can't even know him. As it says in 1 John 3, 4 through 6, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So this doesn't mean if you have sinned one time in your life, you don't know him. Faith is a lifestyle. It's not a one-time event. If we believe he's a king, we will treat him as a king and we will respect his law. If we believe he's a savior, we will believe everything he says about salvation. If we believe he's a son of God, you will believe everything he says about being a son of God. But if we believe in ourselves instead of God, we will write our own story in our hearts. And this can be risky because we may never know who the real God is if we do that. So let's learn the law of Jesus. Let's start acting like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not just a book full of suggestions. Let's treat Jesus' word as life-giving words that are more valuable than anything we could write in our own hearts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for giving your word. I just pray that you give us a special ability to hunger and thirst for your word because you say whoever hungers and thirsts for your righteousness will be filled. I pray that you give us a special ability to remember and to understand your teachings and be able to speak them clearly to others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.